All right. You'll get a chance to respond with that song a little later. Have a seat. If you're our guest, we have started a series this December on making room in our hearts for the sun. And I used an illustration a couple times before, but I decided that it really was the starting place this morning. For those of us that have grown up in the South, and we lived here a lot of our lives, we don't typically play or skate on frozen lakes or frozen rivers. But we had the privilege of being uh, in a home in Alaska with a guy who trained dogs for the Iditarod. And he took us out on a sled ride through the frozen river. Now, I've been told that when children want to play on a frozen pond, that they really ought to get clearance from their parents before they just go out there to make sure that it's really deep enough, solid enough to hold them. So imagine today that we had a pond right here and I was trying to determine that if it would hold me up. And so I put my foot on it, but I very carefully stepped back because I was afraid. Then I shifted my weight just a little bit to see if it would hold me. And it appeared that it was frozen enough, but I couldn't really be sure. But if I went and got a drill and I started drilling down, and I drilled, got deeper and deeper and couldn't get through where the ice was frozen, I'd have a lot of confidence to step out on it because I had gone deep and discovered that it was real. A lot of times people approach Christmas on a very surface level. They really don't know if they can trust a story from a long time ago. But when we open our Bibles and we begin to examine it, we see that we can dig very deeply and find that God has a very solid plan. This morning, I would ask you to go back with me to the text from last week, just to remind you. In the book of Genesis, following creation and then the fall of man, we find in Genesis chapter 3, when God came and confronted them over their sin, he made a promise. And in Genesis 3, verse 15, the Lord declared, I will put hostility between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, between your seed and her seed. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Meaning that God from the very beginning declared, this has been referred to as the first statement of the gospel. When the curse of sin was taking over planet earth, God promised that through Eve, through the seed of woman, he would one day send a savior. And the conquering one would be crucified the evil one would bruise his heel, but 
He would be raised from the dead and he would stand on the head of evil. Demonstrating that he had conquered once and for all sin, death, and the grave. So God made a promise that he would send his son from the very beginning. And it it seems that as you drill down into the history of God's story, you begin to find that God had a plan. Now, some of you aren't planners. Some of you have everything already figured out for Christmas, and you're just sitting back waiting for every day to unfold the next adventure. Some of you are still making a list. Some of you are planning to make a list. And some of you hope that one day you will actually get to go and shop. Now, this is not an intention to make you feel guilty because you're not like God. He had a plan and you don't. That's not the purpose, all right? But I want to remind you that from the very beginning, God had a plan and he made a promise that he would fulfill that plan. And this morning, we're going to look Having already looked at Jesus being the son of woman, now we're seeing that he was the son of Abraham. In the book of Genesis, we read in chapter 12 that God made a promise that he would send his son and he would send his son to be through the seed, through the lineage, through the family of Abraham. In Genesis 12, chapter 1, we see that God is calling Abraham. He's challenging him to get up and leave, to leave his home, and to go out into a land where God would show him. What a great adventure (laughs) to uh, God say, you just pack up and I'm going to show you where to go. And then God made him a promise. Look at Genesis chapter 12, look at verse 3. Verse 2, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Then he says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God made a promise to Abraham that through his seed, he was going to bless all the peoples of the earth. Now, have you ever wondered why God referred to is referred to in the Old Testament as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's because God, in each of those cases, to a father and then to a son and then to a grandson, repeated his covenant. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And through your seed, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. So God made a promise. That promise was in fulfilling his plan. And this morning, as we drill down into the depths of God's plan, we see just how trustworthy it is. Christmas was not an accident. It was not an afterthought. It was not something that God just said, "Uh uh-oh, we got a problem, let's see if I can fix it. But the scripture actually says even before the foundation of the world that Christ was slain. God had a plan to send the Redeemer, to send the Savior. And he chose that he was going to do it through Abraham and through his seed. It was never intended that it would just be for Abraham. But it was intended that through the seed of Abraham, 
God would bless all the peoples of the earth. In the book of Galatians in the New Testament, we read how God expressed the fulfillment of that plan to Abraham. I'm going to ask you to turn there and find Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 3, we're going to see the promise that God made to Abram, and we're going to now see it fulfilled. Galatians 3 and verse 8. Look at what the scripture says. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. First, I want you to notice the time that is covered in this verse. And the scripture, foreseeing. So somehow it's saying back here when God was speaking to Abraham, God was looking forward. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Think about that. The gospel is a New Testament thing, so we think. The word gospel literally means the good news. And God preached the good news to Abraham, telling him that through his seed all the peoples of the world would be blessed. Now, let's think for a moment about that good news. This morning you were singing about angels. Do you remember what was said by the angels? I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for, what class? All people. Didn't you have to memorize Luke 2 when you were a little kid? You know, at least half of you grew up going to church. And in going to church, you, you probably participated in some kind of Christmas play. And, and maybe you had to memorize what was said there in Luke 2 about the angel making the announcement. I'm going to be good news for all the people. What is this good news and what is this fulfillment that God said to Abraham way back there and what he promised he was going to do for all the peoples of the world? So first we notice time. Foreseeing, looking at the cross, looking at the coming of Christ, God made the announcement to Abraham that he was going to do something special. He preached the gospel to him saying, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, I remember teaching through the book of Galatians. And this past week, I had a chance to visit up in Virginia uh, where I pastored a church there. And the building that we were in when I was pastor is no longer occupied by that church family. They sold that building to another church when they relocated to some property just up the street. But I had a chance to drive by that old building, and I stopped and I looked up at that third floor hideaway that I had as a study in that church. I, re I remember going up there early in the morning, and it was a closet that had been used for storage. And I went up there and found a way to move the things out of storage and create a study. 
I had children at home, and it's kind of hard to study with children at home. Can I get an amen? You, you see what I'm saying, all right? So I, I created this study up there. And in this study, I created uh, a big U-shaped desk. And I, it was before the days of being able to use the concordance on the computer. So I had to lay out every book you could imagine. And fortunately, I had a rolling chair. And I could roll around and I could look at all kinds of things when I was studying. And I remember the day that I was studying to preach in the book of Galatians. And I came across this verse and it rocked my world. Because I decided to go back and look in the original language and see what it said. And I was really surprised by a word that I discovered there when it says, all the nations will be blessed in you. Now, when you think about nations, what do you think? The United Nations, countries on a map, here in the Western Hemisphere, up here where we live, we have Mexico, the United States, and Canada. Only three nations in what we would consider to be North America. And you look at those three nations, those countries on a map, and you think, okay, so God said to Abraham, through you I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. But the word nations there in our English text in no way is speaking to countries on a map. It's the Greek word ethnos. And you don't have to be a Greek scholar to hear what it means. Think about it. Ethnicity. We have a little ethnicity in this room. We could do a DNA check on all of you and try to see what country of origin you might have come from and what line you might have come from. But the Scripture is saying, when God made a promise to Abraham, he said, through your family, through your seed, I'm going to bless all the ethnicity of the world. A little song that children sing in the nursery, I don't know if we still sing it today, but when I was growing up, the little song you would sing with children, red and yellow, Black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. When you read this promise that was made to Abraham, now explained in the New Testament, it says the scripture foreseeing what God was going to do, that he was going to justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all of the ethnicities of the world will be blessed in you. That day in my little rolling chair study, as I reached over there and took the original text and looked at it again, I backed up to the beginning and I saw another word that I went, wow, I didn't think about it that way. The scripture that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Now, what does the word Gentile mean? When you're reading in your Bible and you see the word Gentile, what do you think? Come on, what do you think? This is a genuine question. What, what, is, a, what is a Gentile? Not a All right, not a Jew, right? Basically, you have Jews and Gentiles. 
But did you know the word Gentile in the original text is not some word that means not a Jew? You know what the root meaning of that word is? Ethnos. Same word used there toward the end. All ethnicity, God's saying that he, to Abraham, I'm going to, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham because he knew that he would justify all of ethnicity through Christ. Come on now, we're drilling down to see what God's plan is all about. When he spoke to Abraham, he said, through you, Abraham, I'm going to bless all the ethnicity, every people group on the planet. I'm going to bless them all through you. Yet when we read our Bible, we fail to see the comprehensive nature of the plan of God. One of my favorites is to see how many people can quote Psalm 46.10. You don't know the reference, but when I start saying it, you're going you're gonna to think you know it. It says, be still and, come on, why don't you say it with me? And for those of you that know where I'm going, leave it alone, okay? All right, let's just let everybody try to get in on it, okay? So it says, be still and But did you know that's only the first half of Psalm 46, 10? We like it because of how it makes us feel. Be still and know that he's God. Be still and know that he's God and I'm not and he can handle it and I can't, right? But the rest of the verse says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Listen, it has always been the plan of God that he would be worshipped from one end of this world to the other. That he would be worshipped as the waters cover the sea, so might his glory cover the earth. God has always desired to have the symphony of praise of every tribe praising him. Now, if you'll hold your hand there in Galatians and flip to the end of the, your Bible, go to the Revelation and look in Revelation chapter 5 at what the Scripture says. You know, I've never had the courage to preach the Revelation. I've never quite thought I could finish it and make sense out of it. And then I was going overseas to preach in a uh, Bible college and they gave me book summaries that I had to preach. And one of the books that I had to preach in two hours was the book of Revelation. I said, gee, thanks, you know, for giving me this assignment. So I can now say one time I preached the Revelation, all right? But though I haven't had the courage to see if I could explain all of it, when you come to Revelation chapter 5, it talks about the scrolls which many believe are to be an understanding of the end of time as we know it. And it was talking about there was no one worthy to take the scroll and break its seal. And John, writing this, began to cry. Verse 4, I cried and I cried because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look at it. But the elder said to him, John, stop crying. For there is one worthy to take the scroll and break its seals. 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw one like the lamb standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits of God sent into the earth. He came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And when he took the scroll, look at verse 9, they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for God by your blood from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. That's the scene that we can look forward in time and see that God has a plan to bring worshipers to himself through Jesus. And who will they be? Perfect little Jewish boys and girls? No, they might be there too, but it's not just for them. It's for the Gentiles. Aren't you glad? Because most of you are. There might be one Jewish person in the whole crowd, all right? But most of you are Gentiles, and you are those from every tribe and tongue and nation and people that Jesus died for to bring worshipers to the throne. So now let's go back to the book of Galatians and look again at what it's saying when it opens up the fact that God had a plan to send his son through Abraham. It says, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Now, let's see, you know, I, sometimes I wonder, I, I study, and then I stand up here and speak, you know, 25 minutes or so, and you leave, and I think, did they get anything? Did, will they remember any of that? Will any of that really matter? So please, this morning, let's see if I can make you leave with something that matters. All the what will be blessed? Nations. But what does that mean? All the ethnicity, every people group will be blessed. Preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham because God wanted to know and establish that through his seed, the Gentiles, the ethnos, would be blessed. So, if that was the plan of God, that he would be worshipped by all peoples, This morning, I want to ask you, do you know that you have been blessed? What is the promised blessing that was to be given? Here, as Paul is writing to Gentile believers, trying to explain what's going on with Christ dying on a cross, I want you to notice what he says if your Bibles are open to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to his seeds, as though referring to many, but to your seed, referring to one who is Christ. Do you see the promise was given to the one that would be born through Abraham's lineage? He goes on to add in verse 19. Why then the law? 
it was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. Who is this seed of Abraham? Who is this one who came? Drill down into the word of God. Roll up the sleeves of your mind, as Peter said. Gird your loins of your mind to think about it for a minute. He is Jesus. Jesus is the promised one to his seed, that is, the Christ. So this morning, I want to talk to you for a moment about your blessings. Have you been blessed? I I looked up to try to get a good definition of blessing, and here's what I found. It is the bestowing or the giving of privilege, right, responsibility, and favor. Do you know that's what you have in Christ? You have been given privilege. What is your privilege? To call God your heavenly father. What is your privilege to not be held back from God because of his holiness and you can't approach him? But now the privilege to approach God through his son, the Lord Jesus, who died for your sin. For your right, what right do you have? You have the right to be called a child of God. You're no longer a slave, but a child. You're no longer one rejected, but you're one that has been bought with a price. But with that right comes responsibility. And the responsibility is now just like Abraham and his family had been given the privilege of telling the world that Jehovah God is real, now we have been given the weight of this responsibility of privilege that we know God and that we have been blessed. Did you know that the principle throughout all of Scripture is God blesses us to make us a blessing? Let me, let me get you to say that with me because I want it to stick. God blesses us to make us a blessing. Some of you really didn't think I wanted you to say it out loud and you didn't say it. All right, so now I'm going to try it again, okay? God blesses us to make us a blessing. And God has blessed you to make you a blessing. And all of that blessing is in the context of what he is doing of bringing worshipers to himself. This morning, I want to ask you about the blessing of God and the presence of God that you can know. If you know God through Jesus Christ, if you have been born from above and his spirit dwells in you, do you know that there's nothing you can do to be separated from his presence? Some of you live alone. Some of you, if we could talk very long, would say, you know, I'm around a lot of people, but I'm lonely. I'm not sure anyone really gets me. I'm not sure anyone understands me. I'm around people, but I'm lonely. I don't want to act like that's no big deal because God never intended for the Christian life to be lived alone. He's always intended that we would live the Christian life together. And if that really is your testimony this, this morning that you're lonely, then we as a church family have something we need to do. 
because we need to find a way to be there for you and to be family for you. Because the blessing that we have received is that we not only call him father, but we get to call each other brother and sister in Christ. But in all of our lives, there's that time when we are alone and all we really have is the presence of God. It's been said when you get down to all you have is God, you find out he's enough. This morning I want to know, is he enough for you? Is he real to you? Is the promise of his presence a blessing to you? What about purpose? Do you know purpose in life? God never called his people to bless them so they would just sit around and act blessed. But he always called his people to bless them so that they could be a blessing to others. And in the midst of everything God's ever done in your life, all your skills and all your gifts, I promise you he has still called you in that vocation to have a primary purpose of being a blessing to others. This week in my visiting there in Virginia, I had breakfast with a friend of mine who's a rocket scientist for NASA. We used to always joke and say, you know, they say, well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist for this one, but we have one, okay? I mean, this guy is the real deal, all right? And we sat there and we talked about his life and his purpose. And he told me that he was on a track to be totally retired within a couple of years. And he says, I think about that. I keep thinking, what has God planned for me to do? So I asked him a few questions if he wanted to use his vocation in retirement. He said, oh, no. He said, my plan is to spend all of my time investing in people, discipling men, serving the people of God, and he's developing a plan of discipleship that he can multiply. And I thought, Rich gets it. He knows that his skill and his gift has been given for a purpose to use it in the vocational world, but beneath all of that, is the calling to represent Christ to other people. This morning, have you been blessed? As we enter this season of giving gifts and receiving gifts, I hope that your life will be more than just the things of giving. But I hope that you will enter this purpose of a sense of destiny that you have been blessed to be a blessing. When God sent his son, it was no accident. It was the fulfilling of a promise that he made a long time ago. Just like he promised in the garden, he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that through their seed, one would come who would be the promised blessing to all the peoples of the earth. 
This morning, I want to ask you to bow your heads and to search your heart for a moment. The promise of God to send his son fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. Do you know the fulfillment of your life in the coming of Jesus? We have all sinned. We have all come short of the glory of God. But when God sent his son, he sent the perfect one to die on the cross to pay for our sin and to be raised from the dead to give us eternal life. If you've never trusted him today, you can trust him now. This can be your day when you say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know that I've sinned and I know that I need a savior. And I believe Jesus came as a fulfillment of your promise to make a way for me to know you. When the perfect son of God died in my place, to give me eternal life. Today you can receive the promised blessing and walk out of here confident of his presence that he will never leave you and never forsake you. And if you entered this room knowing him, will you take the challenge today that he blesses us to make us a blessing. So purpose specifically in this season and for as long as he gives you life that you want to live representing him as your Savior and your Lord. So Father, forgive us for the things that we allow to crowd you out, for the things that we allow to divide our minds, for the appetites and the attitudes that are so fleshly that there's no room for people to see you in our lives. So during these days as we open your word together, help us to make room in our hearts for you. In Jesus' name.